that the Lord has made. I don't know about your week if it's been rough, but I have commanded my mind, my heart to bless the Lord today in spite of anything. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So if you woke up this morning, you're here, use that breath to praise the Lord this morning. It's just happy to see you this morning. On behalf of our pastor, Jonathan Fields, First Lady Melody Fields, we welcome you to the Tabernacle of Praise this morning. Those that are worshiping with us online, we welcome you as well. This is truly going to be a blessed and holy Sabbath. You know, our pastor is on assignment uh, this morning. You know, our sister church, Berean, is without a pastor. So all the pastors are trying to fill in the gap. We know something about filling in the gap, don't we? Yeah. Praise yeah. the Lord. So we want to pray for our pastor today as he ministers today. We want to pray for yourselves that your heart will be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit today. Every time you come into the house of the Lord, you should expect a blessing. Expect God to do something in your life. Amen. And we just are so happy to have Sister Kathy and her grandson with us today. Just raise your hand. You know, Sister Kathy joined us during the pandemic, during the shutdown. But I'm so glad... The church may have shut down, but the Holy Spirit never shuts down. The Holy Spirit keeps on moving. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we just want to keep Sister Wellington in prayer. She, Elder Wellington says she's progressing wonderfully. She's over in Delmark Gardens. And, well, she'll be having a rehab done there. So we want to continue to keep her in prayer. We want to continue to lift up Sister Rosalie Lewis in prayer as she recovers. Also want to remember our brother Robert O'Kelly. Last Sabbath he was involved in a terrible motorcycle accident. And it's only by the grace of God that he's still here. Amen. Amen. We want to continue to pray for the O'Kelly family. And 
We just want to let you know that on this Wednesday night, you all have been missing our power hour every Wednesday night. Amen. We want you to tune in. Tell a friend. Be an electronic evangelist and tell somebody about the goodness of God. And talking about evangelism, the whole month of November, we're putting special emphasis on evangelism. From Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sabbath, the whole month of November, we're having evangelism. It's called Worship in the Sanctuary. The Bible says salvation is found in the sanctuary. The, the sanctuary message was given to the seminary Adventists. It wasn't the Sabbath. It wasn't the state of the dead. It wasn't baptism. It was the sanctuary. So you want to find out what is in the sanctuary, the 411. When you hear 411, what does that mean to you? Somebody say, I want to get, get the 411 on something. Yeah. You want to get the information on the sanctuary service. And we're going to be here in, live here in the church. And those who can't make it. Don't despair because we're going to be online. Amen. So you can invite someone else to just join you online. They can't make it. But this last warning message, there's a reason why we call it the last warning. There's no other warning after the last one. And so you want your, your family. Churches are made up of families. So let's make sure that our family is tuned in. Amen. Before it is too late. Praise the Lord. At this time, we'll continue in our worship service.
day in and day out yes. and so if there's anything that's pressing on your heart and your mind just think it yeah. and he'll hear it oh, yes. and while I'm delivering the prayer he will uplift it mm-hmm. so we want to bow our heads and we want to give thanks to our Lord we want to remember certain individuals in prayer we want to remember our bereaved families amen we want to remember our elderly we want to remember those who are going through rehab and those who are at home going through rehab we want to remember our missing members. Mm-hmm. We want to remember our front frontline fighters. Mm-hmm. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, we are so grateful. Mm-hmm. Not because of anything that we've done, Lord, but because of what you have done. Yes. What you continue to do. Yes. Lord, we have been established for a purpose, for a reason. That's to testify to your goodness, to tell somebody about someone Mm -hmm. who can save anyone. And so, Lord, on this blessed Sabbath, Lord, we come, Lord, we come giving praise. Thanking you, Lord, for your love, for your mercy. Lord, how you have kept us over these past couple of years. Sustained us, Lord, in the myth, in the face of this COVID. Lord, we've lost some. But yet, Lord, we've gained some. But most importantly, Lord, this gospel is still being preached and touched and reached outside of these walls. And so, Lord, we ask, Father God, as we stand here, as we sit, as we kneel, as we bow our heads, and as we attune in on the Internet and various social media, Mm -hmm. 
that, Lord, your spirit will move today. Move, Lord, in a way that it has never moved. Touch in a way that it has never touched. Lift, Lord. Someone needs you today. And so, Lord, we come and we give our all to you. We ask, Lord, not only will you just bring us out of this here, this wickedness, Lord, into a, a life of spirituality, Lord, but we ask, Lord, that you would touch also our physicalities. Lord, we know there are some who are bound and cannot move. We know, Lord, there are some who has a desire but could not get up, Lord. And so, Lord, whatever is going on with each individual, Lord, whether it be diabetes, whether it be leukemia, whether it be cancer, whether it be strokes, whatever's going on, we know, Father, that you are still that bomb in Gilead. And we understand, Lord, that you have the power. All power is given unto you. And so in the name of Jesus, we claim it, Lord. We claim the healing process. Lord, we're not standing here because of anything we've done. We know that we have some some things going on with our temples, but, Lord, we're standing here. And we can only say thank you for that. And we know where our master physician is. And so we continue to lift up our, our families, our friends, our loved ones, Lord. We lift them up in the name of Jesus. Touch, heal, and abide with them, Lord. We ask, Father God, also, Lord, that you will continue, Lord, to be with all of our members, Lord. Family and tabernacle of praise family. Lord, touch and abide with them in a special way. Help them, Lord, to have their hearts and their minds in tune to you. Lord, we talked about recommitment this morning. Lord, let that be established in each and every one of us today, that we will recommit ourselves over to you each and every day, Lord. Wherever work needs to be done, Lord, please touch and complete it, Lord. Lord, we ask a special prayer, Lord, for the bereavement family of the Rackleys. Lord, they lost mom. And I know the pain, Lord. But I also know that there is a counselor, there is a comforter, there is someone they can call on and they can look up to, and you will bring comfort. So, Lord, be with the Rackley family. Continue, Lord, to be with Elder Miller. Lord, though his heart pains at times, he also finds comfort in knowing that there is hope soon and very soon. He knows, Father, that you are his father. You are his savior, and he has hope. He has reason. Oh, Father God, we ask a special prayer, Lord, for our ill ones, Lord. Elder Harris, who lays in the bed, but yet, Lord, through all of this, Lord, find some kind of way to still be here with us. We know, Father God, that you got him here for a reason, for a purpose. And as a result, Lord, somebody is going to give themselves over to you. Continue to touch him, Lord. Continue, Lord, to give the strength needed to, to attend to his needs, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our Elder Harris and Sister Harris. The work that they put in, Lord, not just caring for Dad, Lord, but for caring for our family here. And so, Lord, continue to watch over and bless him, Lord. Lord, we ask special prayer from, for Sister Lewis, Lord. Lord, we know, Father God, the, the battles that it takes to come, to recover, Lord, from strokes and surgeries and these various things, Lord. And so, Father God, we ask, Father, that not only will you touch them, but, Lord, send that angel. Let that angel be that that crutch that they can hold on to, that they can walk again. 
lift her up, Lord, and bring her on back to our family, Lord. Touch my mother. Lord, I am so thankful, Lord, for what you have done for her, Lord. Disillusion. Didn't even know who her son was, but yet today, Lord, she knows who I am. I'm grateful, Father. And I know just how good you are. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all the members who have come in via our internets and via just being friends. We thank you for Kathy, Lord, and her grandson. What a testament, Lord. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would continue to be with us as we go through the rest of the Sabbath. But most importantly, Lord, be with your speaker this day. Touch Elder Lee in a way, Lord, that he's never been touched before. Allow, Lord, that the breaking of the bread, Lord, be that which to be fulfilling for us. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. And bless us, Lord, so that as we leave this edifice, we won't leave the same way we came in. But we'll leave changed individuals, recognizing and giving unto you, Lord, that which is yours. And that's true worship, true praise, true honor. Lord, thank you for our visiting members. Lord, we also want to remember, Lord, that we thank you for Sister Bernia coming home. And even when she breaks through the doors, Lord, she still brings her family. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we thank you for her. We thank you for the safe traveling mercies, Lord. There's much more we could pray for, Lord, and yet I have not the time to complete it. But I know, Father, through your understanding and through your all-knowing, Lord, you are already on the job. You're already answered. So we praise you. Thank you, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. to have Sister Lakita Carroll back, amen, amen, with our stewardship. All right, don't anybody act like I'm a missing member out there. I'm a person who is very cautious. But I want to say first, I'm going to start with some um, announcements. And these announcements are very, very important. So I want you to listen. I don't know how we're going to connect with you. The first thing is, we have a grant <clears throat> to give free counseling, free. Yeah. Okay, I should get an amen for that. Amen. Y'all in the pandemic, everybody got some anxiety going, depression, some sadness, upset, uh, frustration, aggravation, irritation. We've been locked in the house with each other, our families, and we've been loving that, right? But at any rate, it's free therapy for children 5 to 19 years of age. Amen. So you can go, if you start now, literally, you can receive two years of therapy. Literally, at no cost to you. So let me put this in perspective. My personal fee is $120 an hour. That's my personal fee. That's what people pay. People are paying $120 an hour. You're going to get that for free. I'm just giving it out there. I want you to understand. Young people, if your parents put you up in counseling, Go, enjoy it, make it yours, own it, get your uh, goal set. You set your goals, don't let the therapist set it for you. You set it, and let's go for it. That's the first thing. Secondly, I don't know if you guys know it, but we have a counseling center here. This counseling center has been functioning this past year, and we've been putting on some programs via online. So next week is our 12 Steps to Success program, and it's going to be on um, Sunday evenings at 5. It's been going on 
for every once a week, every month for the past, this past year. So we want you guys to be aware that your counseling center is up and running slowly. But we're getting there. And then thirdly, there's another one, one more announcement, then we're going to do stewardship. Just be patient. I normally have a few minutes, but this is not stewardship, so this doesn't count. But at any rate, so we have one more thing. At the end of this month, um, Jan, well, first of all, let's go back to the counseling center. So Jan is part of the counseling center. Jan, can you come over so everybody can see you? And then Teresa is part of the, the committee that makes up the counseling center. These are your people. If you want to know something or want a program, contact us. Let us know. We're here to serve you. So and all those programs so far have been free of charge. We have one more free of charge um, program. Jan, don't go anywhere. Jan and myself have stepped up to be the... Um, health directors for the women's, uh, Eastern Women's Ministries uh, folk. So we do programs for the Eastern area. So what we're doing next week is a program, two parts. One is on suicide. Suicide is huge. It's important. And it's simple. God says, God uses simple things to confound our men. to confound the minds of men. So if you want to know how to help a person who is getting ready to or is uh, messing around with the idea of com- uh, committing suicide, next week you want to, we're going to send it to Karen. We haven't sent it to her. Not next week, I'm sorry, the 30th and 31st. We're going to send it to Karen for next week. It will be in your announcements. In the first part, there is a breakout room for teenagers and young people where, um, Sister Fields is going to talk to them about suicide, and then I'll be talking to the parents about suicide. And then the next day, Jan and myself will be hosting the Women's Ministries five-hour prayer services from 9 to 2. Busy! Busy! God is so good. He's opening up these doors. We are able to do so much, and I just praise the Lord for it. Also, I want to say one more thing, and then I'm going to get to stewardship. Today is my baptismal anniversary. That's right. That's right. 39 years ago, I started in church with Bev. Bev was singing then. She was doing an excellent. She was over the choir. She was so young. And, but we, um, I was at Kenlock. Lee came over a couple of weeks before and stirred himself into my life. But mostly the greatest thing is that God came into my life. And I've been serving the Lord, and I just praise his name for the opportunity. All right. Now let's do what's really, really important. And so this is what I need. Now we know it's just a few of us here, right? So we have to maybe make a little bit more noise each person. All right, don't take your mask off, but I want you to make more noise. So when I say God is good, you know what to say. But you need to say it loudly. Are you ready? God is good all the time. He is so worthy to be praised. He is so good. So much is going on in this world. So many good things to do. If I was to title this short stewardship message, it would be called Locked Up Greatness. Locked Up Greatness. Is it in you? Is your greatness locked up? I want you to take time right now to think about this question. If you have to, close your eyes. What do you want to do 
what great idea exists in you? What is it? Uh, what is the yearning of your heart? What is it? What is it that you say? I wish I had of. I wish I could of. Now I'm not. Don't go any further than that because the next thing that's going to come up is, but I can't because I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. Don't go any further. Don't go over in that territory. Stay right here. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do? I want you, might this be God's calling to you to greatness? Remember, God says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. If you desire it, why do we always think, well, I shouldn't do it. I'm not supposed to. If you are a praying person and you desire something greatness, why do you say it's, it's greediness? Why are you saying that it's selfishness? God will give you the desires of your heart. And if you desire something great, why aren't you acting on that desire? I want you to ignore what you know about yourself. I'm lazy. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough. Ignore that. Ignore all of that. Only focus on what it is you want. I'm going to point out a couple of folks from the Bible. Consider this uh, uh, biblical personality. Remember the Samaritan woman? She had all these husbands. Everybody in the neighborhood knew it. When she walked past, the clean women said, there she go. There were some women, but married women said she can't keep a man. Something wrong with her. She felt it. She knew it. And yet she ends up at the well with the great God of heaven. Did he say it? He didn't say it. Instead, he gave her a big, big task to do. Go and tell. This woman went and told her. She found out it's not about who she was, but it was about doing what God told her to do. It was about her following God's instructions. I want you, everybody in here, don't let your past undermine your future. Amen. Don't do it. Don't think, well, I didn't make good. I want to be a doctor, but I wasn't smart in school. Don't think that. It's how can I become a doctor? What do I need to do? What can I do to offset the deficits that I'm suffering with? You know, I don't pay attention long. Do I need to study in short amounts of time? Do I need to break things down to, to um, smaller words? What do I need to do? Moses fell from grace. Remember, he got out there, saw one of his homies, or can I say one of his brothers by nature, getting slapped around, and he killed the man. He killed one of Pharaoh's uh, soldiers. Then he was on the run. So now we have, he went from being a prince to being a murderer. He was on the Pharaoh's most wanted list, homeless for a time, and then worked as a shepherd. But he became so close to God that he spoke directly to God and saw so many blessings. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt. That wasn't a task. Let's, let's look at it as Dr. Martin Luther King. Except some people were saying, I don't want to march. I'm, why we got to march? It's a, he, a whole lot of them. But this is what Moses had to deal with. He still made mistakes. Remember, he went up and hit that rock, which cost him the opportunity to go into um, the land of Canaan, of milk and honey, et cetera, et cetera. But he got something better, right? He got to go to heaven. So don't allow your mistakes to stop you. Stop thinking about it. Stop letting it hang, you, hang over you. It's a chain on you. Let's drop the chain. He still made mistakes, but more importantly, he kept moving forward. You're going to make some mistakes. 
You, on your way to greatness, you're going to make mistakes. And then think about David. He was promised to be the king of the nation. Remember? He was, but once the man left, everything went back to normal. He was still out there with those sheep. He was still, you know, fighting off tigers and bears or whatever was out there trying to get the sheep. He was still doing the same thing. So to all intents and purposes, nothing changed in his life. Did God tell you he was going to do something for you, but nothing has changed? Nothing has changed. David didn't get up and try to form a coup to take over. He didn't do that. He waited, waited. Meanwhile, Saul, when he got older, Saul saw him and got jealous. That's going to be some jealous people around you. Don't you ever think that God's going to put a calling on your life and somebody's going to say, you don't deserve it. Why are you? Who do you think you are? Somebody's going to say it. It's their job to do that. That is their job. It's your job to keep moving forward. That's your job. So his brothers made fun of him, taunted. Who is he? You know, little sheep out there. You need to go back to that. And then after becoming the king, he still made mistakes. He made his biggest mistakes after he reached greatness. His biggest mistake. Now, I say rape. Everybody don't like the word, but he raped Bathsheba. And then he turned around and killed her husband. And then his son died. And he had problems all through his life. But he didn't stop being the king. And he didn't stop following God. So, is there greatness in you? In case you haven't figured it out, this, this stewardship message is about your talents. Develop your talents. I don't care how old you are. If you want to learn how to sew, learn how to sew. And if you want to learn how to design clothes, design the clothes. Do what you want to do. And don't discount it. Don't discount that every little step you make is a step, A, towards God first, because you're going to be praying, and then second is towards fulfilling the greatness that God has put in you. You don't have to be perfect to pursue your dreams. You don't have to be perfect to pursue your dreams. You only need to get started. God is good all the time. Everybody here, let's get started. That's today, every day this week. Do one little thing towards that great goal that you have in your heart. Have a blessed Sabbath day. The sky shall unfold, preparing his
Anybody want to behold him? Amen. We shall behold him. 
You know, but the scripture says that when this gospel of the kingdom is preached into all the world, then we shall behold him. You know, that's why I hate asking Beverly to sing a solo. How are you going to follow that? <laughs> but it's truly a blessing. The word of God stands for itself. Amen. So our message today is go ye therefore. Stop reaching in and start reaching out. You know, it's very interesting uh, whenever it's a, I get the blessing and opportunity to speak a word for the Lord, the message is not just for you, it's for me too. I don't ever want to point a finger at you because then I got three pointing back at me. So this message is just as much for me as it is for you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your blessed Sabbath day. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence here with us to worship and praise your name. We ask that you will bless us, dear Lord, that this message will cause us to draw closer to thee, to be part of your message to other people, that we go there for, dear Lord, as you have appointed us, and that we point others to Christ and lead others to Christ, that they may be saved in your blessed kingdom. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you so much, Sister Beverly and Teresa with the signing. <laughs> Praise God. You know, we read in the Bible where Jesus healed the blind. I thank God I'm not blind, but my reading vision is greatly improved for $2 at Walgreens. So I'm going to put on some more. Amen, amen. <laughs> Our scripture today is Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and you all know it. Go ye therefore, teaching all nations whatsoever things I have told you, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. It's important to note that the scripture says teaching first. We're called to teach first. And then to baptize. And sometimes we get it mixed up and we just want numbers in the pool. But God says a person needs to know what they're signing up for. You need to know what you are promising when you accept Christ. We read about in our Sabbath school lesson a covenant that we're all in. An agreement, a promise. And when we accept Christ, we're promising to do certain things for him and with him. You know, these last couple years have been a real doozy for the entire world because of a tiny little microscopic virus called COVID-19. Over 240 million people have been affected by COVID-19 and 5 million have died from it. Billions have been lost in revenue, thousands of jobs have been uh, thrown away, and millions of companies have just gone under, disappeared forever, all because of this COVID. And COVID still strikes fear in the hearts of the elderly, the infirmed, and the uninformed. The entire world still being hostage, held hostage by a criminal, a virus, a villain that is unseen and yet seen. A villain of the worst kind, the kind that steals your hope, takes your courage, and destroys your family. And yet amidst all the calamity and confusion and trouble going on here on this earth, the almighty God of the universe still stands behind it all, keeping watch over us one and all. COVID-19 wasn't a surprise to God. 
He wasn't shocked by it at all. He already told us there'd be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence in diverse places. But we're the ones surprised. But why? Didn't we believe the Sermon on the Mount? Don't we read the scriptures? If we do these things, how is it that we were caught unawares like a possum crossing a country road? Jesus said these are only the beginning of sorrows. Matthew 6, 34 says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. It's enough for you to think about today. It's a promise that we're going to face some kind of adversity or trial or tribulation every single day. But instead of recognizing it as an opportunity to trust and believe in God and depend on him, we end up allowing panic and fear to paralyze us, to keep us from doing what God has asked us to do. And yet in the face of all these perilous times, we are still not giving God what he expects from us. Revelation 2.4 says, Nevertheless, I have something against you because you've lost your first love. Anybody remember their first love, the one that you told everybody about, the one that you couldn't stop talking about, the one that you wanted to show your family off to, and you took them home, and you let everybody know about how good he was or she was to you and promised that you would do all this and do all that. You remember your first love? Yeah, his name is Jesus. He's our first love. And he says, when you have accepted me, you promised to be my witness. And we've lost our first love. But this pandemic has caused us to pull back from what we were doing for God. He's called, this pandemic has caused us to stop being ambassadors for Christ. We have not testified to the goodness of God. We have not given Bible studies. We have not encouraged our friends and families to trust God. We have not made a big effort at all to witness to anyone in a long time. But that's okay. It's understandable even because whenever the word of God is going out, the devil's going to do everything he can to stop you because that's his job. His job is to prevent the word of God from going out, from preventing us from telling somebody about the love of Jesus and salvation. You know, we haven't even been in this church building for over 18 months. We've been stuck inside our homes. We haven't studied like we should. We haven't attended Sabbath school. And we just done forgot all about poor little prayer meeting. And we certainly haven't been doing any outreach activities. Most of us have been doing more lay activities than anything else. And yet we still think we have faith. But you have to be real careful because that type of faith that criticizes other people and thinks highly, too highly of yourself, that's not the Christian faith. If you find yourself criticizing everybody else and pointing fingers at others and think that only you and Jesus are the two perfect people on earth, that's a spurious faith. That's a fake faith. That's a, uh, a fake faith and an oppositional faith. We have to recognize that 2 Peter 1, 2 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And then verse 18 continues, Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. But many of us have been so busy running like racehorses to do our own activities, we done forgot all about God. We forgot all about what he wants us to do, the growing grace part and the growing knowledge part. Have you grown in grace during this pandemic? Grace means growth in the character of Christ. Prayer meetings build up grace. Spiritual meditation builds up grace. Contemplating the life of Christ builds up grace. Have you grown in knowledge? Bible study grows knowledge. Sabbath school grows knowledge. Discipleship class grows knowledge. What have you built up beside an appetite? Many people have gained weight during the pandemic, and they call it pandemic weight gain. I just call it pandemic laziness. Because we've gotten so comfortable, we've gotten too content with what we're doing that we don't do anything at all. We can't just keep sitting around binging on Game of Thrones, Netflix and chilling. It's, it's time out for that. We are missing our God-given privilege, the God-given privilege of testifying to the goodness of God. We have been endued with power from on high to withstand every satanic influence. How many? Every. every satanic influence, which means you don't have to worry about the devil. He's already beaten. He's defeated. He's whipped. He already knows where he's going, and he's trying to take us with him. But we've got the power from God to withstand anything that he throws our way. Greater is you, he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen? We have to be out and about our Father's business, reaching souls for the heavenly kingdom. But what's happened to us? Why aren't we doing what we promised our first love we were going to do? I know it seems so simple to ask that question, and there's a lot of reasons for it. There are reasons, and then there are excuses. Let me tell you what I think happened to us at this time. And I know I've told this story before, but it's so appropriate to the way we are now as a church family. Farmer Smith was walking past Farmer Jones' farm, and he saw a mule just plowing the field, doing a great job, turning up dirt left and right. And he said, I'm going to buy that mule from you, uh, Farmer Jones. So he got the mule home, and he put the mule out in the field to plow, and the mule just stood there like it was sleep. Like it didn't hear a word Farmer Smith said. So he got mad and went and got Farmer Jones and said, Hey, this meal you gave me is no good, and I want my money back. Well, Farmer Jones came over with him, and he said, You know what? I'm going to help you get this meal to plow. And he took a two-by-four and hit the meal between the eyes with it, and the meal took off plowing the field like never before. And he said, What's going on? How would you do that? He said, well, I know that's a good meal. I've taught that meal how to plow the field. He knows what a field looks like. He has the will to do it, but sometimes you got to get his attention. Floods, fire, hurricanes, tornadoes, famines, pestilence, volcanoes, climate change, crime everywhere. Has God got your attention yet? Has he got our attention yet? What is it going to take? For him to wake us up. What does he need to do to hit you between your eyes to say this is what you need to be doing? Wrap your, wrap your brain around this thought. Your life 
is entirely made up of the past. Everything in your life has been in the past. Except this one minute, whoops, there it went. Now it's in the past too. Everything in your life has been in the past. I know some of y'all can finish this sentence with me. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Isn't that amazing how the days of our lives just slip past us? Every second, every moment, those days are going by. And before we know it, our time on this earth is over. And we look back and we are not saved. We have to pay attention to the little things of life. Don't let one second slip through your hands like sand. Don't let a minute go by that you have not mentioned Christ. Don't let a second go by that you have not thought about God. Don't let a day go by that you have not spoken to God. Don't let any time go by that you have not connected with your Savior. Everybody wants a Savior, but nobody wants a Lord. Savior means I'm going to be in the kingdom with the Lord. I'm going to live forever. But Lord means the ruler of your life. I don't want, you know, I love the Lord, but I got some things I want to do. I love the Lord, but I got something to handle over here first. I'm going to give my life to Christ, but I got some things I want to do first. Like those sands in the hourglass, your time is slipping right through your hands. The days of the Inquisition are over. The time period between 1100 A.D. and the late 1800 A.D. was a time when you would be tortured, beaten, put in jail, and killed because of your confession in Christ. Millions of soldiers in God's army were put to death because they truly believed and followed the word of God. I like to read that book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. And it talks about John Huss, who in 1614 was burned at the stake. And all the time he was singing, Lord Jesus, son of the living God, have mercy on me. And after he finally died from the flames, they took what was left of him, burned it again, and threw it in his ashes in the river. It also talks about John, Huss, uh, John Wycliffe. You've heard of the Wycliffe Bible, right? John Wycliffe had been dead 41 years. And they were so angry at him spreading the gospel that they dug his body back up, burned it, and threw him in the river. And I really like the story about this uh, martyr named Polycarp. They burned him at the stake, but as the flames went up, it didn't burn him up like normal. The flames went up in an arch, surrounded him, and the witnesses said it looked like gold and silver being refined in a furnace. And finally, his tormentors realized, we can't burn this guy. What are we going to do? One of the soldiers stabbed him with a sword. And so much blood came out of Polycarp that it put the flames out. After he finally died, they burnt what was left of him and threw him into the river also. It's so much of a shame what the devil would do to stop you from witnessing. And yet these people... Gave it all on the battlefield for the Lord. They didn't think about what their family said. They didn't care what their friends said. They didn't think about dying. They didn't think about going to jail. They knew that they served a, a redeemer. They knew that they served the God of the universe and that nothing was too hard for him. They felt that this life was not their real life, that they were pilgrims just traveling in this world. 
and that their real home is in heaven. And that's what they focused on as they were witnessing for Christ, as they were going there for, that was their determination. Thank God that those days are over for now. It brings us to this question. Should I fly to heaven on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and died amidst bloody seas? Now, I'm not, not advocating knocking on doors yet. Not time for that maybe yet. But I'm just saying there are other ways to reach people with the gospel. The pandemic is horrible, terrible, very bad. But some good has come out of it, though. Thanks be to God, the church board and our media team, when we were put under quarantine, we were one of the few churches that still could run a service online. That's just how God works. Before you even needed it, he already had it there for us. One day I was looking at our viewer stats online, and I noticed that we had people viewing from China and from Europe. Amazing. I couldn't believe that. We had never done that before. And our divine worship hour broadcast is reaching people that have never and would have never come to 1721 Parker Road. Never would have stopped by here. So now, because of the pandemic, we effectively have two congregations. Two, two, two churches in one. It's truly a blessing. Look at how God uses things that the devil tends for evil for our good. The tough times are going to keep on coming. Nobody's going to protect you from that. But when the going gets tough, the tough get going. It says we are not to be depressed. This ain't time for depression. If you depress, see Sister Carol about that free counseling. We are to speak the words of the Lord with authority. Authority means you getting this straight from the word of God. I don't have to question it. I don't have to ask for your permission. I'm telling you what does say the Lord. You can believe it or not. That's on you. Without, we speak with authority and then look, leave the consequences to God. I don't have nothing to do with the consequences. Once I put it out there, it's on you. It's between you and God. We can just go out and witness and not worry about if people are going to be mad, not worry about if the door is going to get slammed in our face, not worry about if we're going to get cussed out or blessed out, as church people like to say. We don't have to worry about that. The results ain't on us. It's on God and his Holy Spirit. But what we do have to do, we have to have love. We have to temper what we say with faith and love under all circumstances. Because you can say anything you want to another person. Just depends on how you say it. <laughs> One way you say it might get you a connection. Another way you say it might get you knocked out. But the truth is the light. And we're called to spread that gospel truth. But leave the consequences to God. We have to keep him first. And foremost in our outreach plans, many times we put together a plan and we get together in board meeting and we say, here's what we're going to do, here's where we're going to go, here's how we're going to do it. Then we ask God to bless it. Got to turn that around. Ask God what he wants us to do. Because he knows his people, right? 
God knows everybody in this neighborhood. He knows how to reach everybody in this neighborhood. He knows everybody in every neighborhood. So if we go to him and say, God, how do you want us to reach these people? He'll give us the method. And when God gives us the method, he's promising he's going to make it happen. We don't have to do anything but go ye therefore. Our efforts at working together are not founded on the softening, subduing love of Christ in the heart. They're going to fail. If we have not asked God to bless us first, whatever we do is not going to amount to nothing. We can bring in special guest speakers. We can have a paid speaker or somebody that has been being paid to go out and reach people. We can pay people money to join the church. We can lower the standards of the church so anybody can come in. If you don't have God first in it, it's going to fail. That's what we have to remember. It says, uh, Christian Service, page 9, says, God will not complete his work without human agencies. That's us. We the human agencies he's talking about. It also says the layman shall finish the work. We're the layman. Pastors and paid clergy, that's the clergy. We're the layman. That's everybody else. And that's because the pastor can't do it all. We have a wonderful pastor. We've had wonderful pastors, but I know you all realize they're not perfect. And they can't do everything themselves. They're still human beings. Just like you are human beings, don't you get tired sometimes? Don't you get weak sometimes? Don't you want some help sometimes? Don't you just want to lay down sometimes? So do they. They can't do it all. But working together with God's Holy Spirit, that's true success. Testimony Volume 9 says God expects personal service. What kind of service? From everyone whom he has entrusted a knowledge of the truth for this time. It's time for all personal ministers to stand up. Many times we say we have the personal ministries time. I don't know what happened to personal ministries time. <laughs> it just disappeared within gathering. But that means you personally working for Jesus. We come together and we do things as a church, but personal ministry means you individually working for Christ. It's time for personal ministry. We have to all get up, stand up, and be counted on the battlefield for the Lord. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people. Now, underline chosen because God didn't just pick no haphazard, slipshod people. You are chosen. That means selected and elected, anointed and appointed for a certain reason, for a certain purpose. He chose you on purpose. A royal priesthood. Do you know what the priests used to do? They stood between the people and God. They sent up intercessory prayers. They pointed people to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what we are. A royal priesthood. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Pointing people to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. A holy nation. How does a nation get to be holy? Now remember when Moses was at the burning bush and the Lord said, take off your shoes because you are on holy ground. That was the same dirt and rocks Moses been kicking around for 40 years. The same dirt. But what made it holy was the presence of God. 
Just like this building. Ain't nothing holy about this building. What makes it holy is the presence of God. Nothing holy about any of us but the presence of God. A holy nation, his own special people, set aside, sanctified, set aside for a certain purpose. What purpose is that? What purpose are we set aside for? Why are we chosen? Why are we a royal priesthood? So that we may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light for a reason. To go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. But how can they know unless somebody tells them? That's where we come in. Our duty is to tell them, even if they don't believe it. Tell them, even if they don't receive it. Tell them that God loves them. Has anybody heard the book Training Light Bearers? That is a good book. That is a terrific book. And it lists 13 different ways to contact people in Christ's stead. It lists a lot of methods to engage people in conversation. And they're all good ideas, and they can be put to good use even in this digital age during this pandemic. But there is no substitute for personal touch. If you're in a relationship, long-distance relationship, you ain't going to make it. (laughs) I know people think they can make it. You ain't going to make it. Relationships take personal touch. You got to be right there with that person. You got to be right there with that person at all times. Jesus did personal ministry. It was Christ's method to mingle with the people where they are, to emphasize with them as one who desired their good. He met their needs, and then he bid them to follow him. You can do that very same thing. Maybe not physically right now, but you can mingle with the people where they are. You don't have to be a missionary in Africa. You don't have to go to Australia and China and Russia. Brighten the corner where you are. Start with your own family, witnessing to your own family. Start with your neighbors. Start with your co-workers. Start with people you ran into at the grocery store. He empathized with them as one who desired their good. You know, when you're a little kid, you tend to trust everybody. Yeah, anybody can get you. That's why pedophiles are so successful, because little kids tend to believe anybody. But when you mature, when you mature as an adult, you start recognizing who's out for your good and who's not. Jesus empathized with people as one who desired their good. They knew he was out for them. They knew he wanted to help them. They knew he was a blessing to them. That's what we have to be to people. And then he met their needs. I know when I was a teenager at church, man, I just wanted to go home and eat. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't hear nothing the preacher said because my needs weren't met. I just wanted to get out of there. So you think about that when you're trying to witness to somebody. If a person's hungry, feed them. If they're worried about paying their light bill and the gas getting cut off, help them out. You might not be able to pay it, but you can tell them dial not, uh, 211 and they can get some help. Meeting the people's needs. And once their needs are met, now they're willing to listen to you. And then Jesus bid them follow him. After he built a relationship, that's what we have to do. 
You, it, I'm going to tell you this. It's hard to just knock on somebody's door and say, come to church with me. They're going to say, yeah, all right, I'll be there. Boom, close the door on you. It's hard to talk to somebody that you just met and say, come to the Revelation Seminar. Come to our November outreach program, and you haven't made a relationship with them. But when you make a relationship and then you bid them follow you, that's where the results are shown. Because now they trust you. Now they believe in you. Now they know that you're out for their own good. It isn't that hard to make contact with people. You know, just the other day, I had some message magazines in my car, and I just knocked on the neighbor's door. I said, hey, I was remembering what you talked to me about, and this magazine has a great article that I think you're going to be blessed by. And they said, hey, thanks, I appreciate it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to have my daughter read it, and I'm going to read it too. And I had the other magazine. I gave it to another neighbor, and I said, man, this guy has an article in here that I think you're going to really like. He said, thanks, I appreciate it. I'm going to check it out. I said, yeah, and let me know what you think about it. I didn't worry about the outcome. I just gave it to him. Because God says in Isaiah 55, 1, my word will not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherein I sent it. So I just did that. And just this week, a total stranger called on the phone. Usually I don't even answer the office phone, but I answered the phone, and they said, may I read a Bible scripture to you? And I was like, wow, that's different. They didn't ask me to change cable carriers. They didn't say I owed them some money. They didn't say I won the lottery, so give me your bank account information. They didn't ask none of that. They asked, could I read a Bible scripture for, uh, to me? You know, and I'm thinking, what kind of Christian would I be if I say no? <laughs> So I said, sure, go ahead and read that scripture. And they read it, and you know, we got into a really good discussion about the Sabbath, about the sanctuary, and about how God's moral Ten Commandment law is still in effect today. Just from that. There's ways to reach people. It's on God to handle those results. All we call to do is go ye therefore. Just get out there however you can, whatever way you can make it, Think of some ideas. You're a smart individual. If you can't go out physically, I know everybody here got Facebook. I see some of y'all on Facebook all the time. I know some of you got Instagram. I know some of you got uh, TikTok. You can do a TikTok for Jesus. All kind of ways. You can write letters to people. You can send emails, texts. There's all kind of ways to reach people. We, you can still hand out flyers to people. All God's asking us to do is to go, ye therefore. When I handed out that literature, when I spoke to that person on the phone, I just did my honest part. That's all I did. I did my honest part. Just like the Pathfinder motto says, do my honest part, right? How many Pathfinders we got? <laughs> Once a pathfinder, always a pathfinder. Do your honest part. I want to ask you truthfully to yourself, don't raise your hand, are you truly doing your honest part for God? Are you growing in grace and sharing it with someone else? Are you using your talents and skills and abilities that God blessed you with to share that gospel message with someone? God's expecting us to go, go, go.
That's all he's expecting of us. He wants us to do our part. God will give us the wisdom to go. He'll give us the courage to go. He'll give us the desire to go to spread this gospel message so that the end shall come and then we shall behold him. Amen? Let us ask God to do those things for us because we all want to see him in the kingdom. We shall behold him when the gospel message is preached to all the world in this generation. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have of witnessing for you. We thank you for the honor that you've given us to be a part of this salvation method message. We ask, dear Lord, that you will give us courage not to worry about the results. Give us courage not to worry about the people. Give us courage not to worry about the devil and his tricks. We ask that you will give us the desire, dear Lord, to share this message with others. You've blessed us with it. Bless us to share it with others. We ask and pray that you will give us the ideas, dear Lord. Give us the imagination, holy imagination, to come up with ways to reach out instead of always reaching in. We ask and pray that you will guide us, dear Lord. Point us in the right direction. Lead us in the way that we should go. Allow your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to direct our footsteps to that person who is truly waiting for someone to knock on their door. We ask, dear Lord, that you will bless our efforts, crown us with success, dear Lord. Bless us to do our honest part to serve you, even during this pandemic, dear Lord. Bless us and keep us by your almighty keeping power, dear Lord. Save us by your amazing grace. And surely we know that you will come, Lord Jesus, come to save us from this evil world and to lead us to glory ever, ast- ever after, to reign with you eternally. In the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you. Let the church say amen and amen. Amen. Let's give Elder Carol another amen. Amen. Timely message. As the song says, tell the world. Go and tell the world about Jesus. Amen. That's what it's all about. Tell them about his love. We want to see you all next week. Amen. Let's keep it moving. As you go.
Jesus. 